Blog Talk Radio. Jacobs, Ring of Honor headliner. I don't need to tell any more about him. Everybody knows who he is. He will be at IHW Entertainment on Saturday, February 14th. He'll be a part of our doubleheader. At 3 p.m., we got Cold War. And at 5 p.m., Crime Scene. You get to see uh, Ring of Honor star Jimmy Jacobs in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He'll be here that whole weekend. But Saturday, he will be a part of IHW Entertainment. Uh, it was weird. Uh, Jimmy uh, knew one of our wrestlers, and him and Jimmy talked and uh, Jimmy said he talked to the Necro Butcher, and he said he wanted to come to IXW Entertainment. So we got together and made it happen, and we're really looking forward to having Jimmy Jacobs on the 14th. So who do you have Jimmy booked with? 
Well, you know what? Right now, uh, Jimmy's got an open contract. Oh, boy. So. It's going to be this, this, this skinny guy against the midget. So uh, <laughs> you and him. No, 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 no. I... I had the I had the nerve to challenge the Doctor of Style Slick to a match on January seventeenth, and I got my butt kicked by a fifty-four year old minister. So, <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> so uh, I've had enough of uh, these teams coming in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stay away from uh, Jimmy Jacobs because uh, uh, no man, I don't care to get blown up in a minute and a half. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> well, what are some of the other talent you have booked? Uh, well, you know what we got? We got some really good people, and if I could indulge you for just a couple minutes and talk about some of the really good people we got down here, um, we have got. I would put this roster up against anybody in the state of Texas. We've got a lot of good people down here. There's a lot of good talent with a lot of heart. Right now, we have uh, the Saints of DFW, Saints of Dallas Fort Worth. They're the saviors of uh, the area, they're young guys. Uh, we got Michael Perry, who is a hoss. This kid is just full of energy and full of respect for the business. SB1, who's been around for about four or five years, he was trained by the General Scandal Act, so you know he knows what he's doing. Uh, Dyslexia, who she's a little kooky, a little crazy, but, uh, you know, that works for her. Carlos Esquibill, who, again, just has so much fire in him. Uh, they're kind of feuding right now with the establishment. The establishment is me, the promoter, owner of IHWE, David Fuller, the IHWE champion, Balls Rider, former champion, Chris Richter, and uh, all of us have something in common. We have all been in the business about 10 years apiece. So we're kind of the guys who really don't want to relinquish our spot, and we don't care to give it to the young guys. Uh, we also just recruited, we kind of threw the fans a curveball, at the last show, and we recruited the 18-year-old hottest sensation in Texas today, Electra Blue, who's now just going by Electra. Electra has had some big matches down at ACW in San Antonio against uh, Portia Perez and Daphne, and uh, she's done really well against them. And I think Electra has—I think she's the most talented woman's wrestler in Texas today, and I think she's going places really soon. She's only been around for about eight months. She's come a long way in eight months. We have also had the tag team champions, a couple of guys by the name of Genesis, Christopher Hayden, and Karrion Arcane. Hayden has a uh, he has a certain charisma about him. I think he'll be a star, a more charismatic star than anything. He's kind of humorous in his own way. I think Karrion Arcane is money. Karrion's been around for about a year. And there's something about that guy that just makes me want to pay attention to him because I think when he's allowed to break free on his own, I think uh, right now he's doing pretty well. He's a tag team champion, but I think if he was to go out on his own, I think he could just do wonders. We've got a lot of good people down here in IHWE. We've got Logan, almost uh, 300 pounds, a guy who's uh, had a very successful run with Joey Corman and Howell Mass. Um, We've got just so many people down here who uh, just want to make this work. And the thing that makes it different from the other organizations around here, everyone's seen PCW, everyone's seen XCW. And, I mean, nothing against them two companies. are good at what they do. But what makes us wonderful is, is the opportunities that we do give to people. We're not about bodies. We're about passion. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Casey. You've heard the story several times before. But uh, a few years ago, 
there was a guy down here. He was joining on the independent circuit. He couldn't get over first or second, third match on the card. And he calls up IHW and says, can I come work for you guys? And he just was in a movie with some guy. He was in some kind of wrestling movie. I don't remember the name of it. Do you? Paradise Alley. No. No. Hollywood Dylan Summers. Yes. And uh, I will always be very proud of Dylan. Dylan has done so much. We talked about two weeks ago. And uh, still as, as, as humble as the day he was when I met him. And... Uh, very proud of him, but and we can always get a, you know, we can always we always get a kind of a kickback off that, you know. He always gives us the credit when sometimes, you know, I don't I don't think it's just due. I think we were just right place, right time. And I think I, I when people ask me all the time, they say, "What did you see in that guy?" And I just I knew that if Dylan was able to be himself, and he was. He, if you just turned the volume way up and you took the handcuffs off of it, I pretty much guarantee that guy could be somebody. But, the, I mean, the day he came up here, dude, I never met the guy. He walks into Chris Wolf's backyard, his bedroom. He's He's got his face paint on. He goes, hey, man, I'm Dylan Summers. I'm the Necro Butcher. How the hell are you? I'm like, what the hell? And he comes in, and I've got the Fort Worth Star Telegram there. And they're taking pictures, and Necro Butcher pulls out a light bulb tube. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get banned. <laughs> it was a very, very interesting first impression. Now you you brought up the name Balls Rider. Uh, I think yeah. uh, Balls, good old Balls, needs a gimmick change. You need to put him in all pink, and and bill him from San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate gay gimmick name, Balls Rider. <laughs> That's true. And another group I forgot to mention is RevX, uh, Texas Red, 300-pounder, over six feet tall. He's the son of the legendary Rick Davidson, who was uh, Red River Jack in World Class Championship Wrestling. Uh, he did the gimmick along with Bruiser Brody, and uh, Mark Calloway also did the gimmick. He's the son of him, Eric Kincaid, Dave Dunnings, RevX. They've also got a lot going on. And uh, check it out. I was going to let you know... But we got some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, we have got uh, some, some Fort Worth shows coming up. We run right now in Dallas. And uh, I want to, if I can, if, if you don't mind me borrowing the mic from you, uh, uh, we've got uh, March 28th. Uh, we're in Fort Worth at the Sycamore Community Center. Uh, I just just signed the General Skandar Akbar and the Doctor of Style Slick are going to be on the same show. March 28th, so if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's a good chance to come see a couple of legends do their thing. Uh, April the 11th is the 11th anniversary of IHW Entertainment. And we're going to be in Dallas, and we're putting on a three-hour supercard. That should be very cool. And uh, April 25th is, is going to be the funnest night of all time, it is the IHWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And this year we have uh, four inductees, and uh, I've already announced it on the internet, but I'll go ahead and announce it here. We're going to be inducting the General Skandar Akbar. He will be inducted by the legendary voice of World Class Championship Wrestling, Mr. Bill Mercer. Uh, 
former IHW champion and former WWE superstar, Red Dog, Rodney Mack. He will be inducted by his wife and the mother of two twins in November of this past year. Uh, two-time WWE Women's Champion, Jazz. Uh, the Doctor of Style, Slick, will be inducted that night. And he hasn't chosen his inductee yet. Uh, I leave that up to the inductees who they want, who they want to induct them. And uh, Johnny Valentine will be inducted that night. And his wife uh, uh, asked me to induct him. And I am highly honored and uh, a little bit overwhelmed. But I will do my darndest and induct the man who brought me into the business. And uh, that will be a very special night because April 24, 2001 is the day that Johnny passed away. It will be eight years after the fact. And one day later he will be inducted into our Hall of Fame. So it will be a very special night. Jeez, sounds like you're uh, you're a little busy. Throw in throw in WrestleMania, and geez, it's going to be a very busy spring for you. Yes, yeah. it will. And I got a I got a scoop, man. I got a scoop. Sure. I got an exclusive just for you on Guard Radio. No one else knows what I'm about to say. Right now, IHWE is in the in negotiations. Very strong, very good negotiations right now. So I feel very. Very comfortable leaking this out. We are in negotiations right now with the former world bantamweight boxing champion who retired in 2004 after losing to Marco Antonio Barrera on HBO pay-per-view. A man who has 35 wins, 3 losses, and 12 knockouts. Holly Ayala to come to IHWE this spring and be a part of our organization. So... You heard it first here on Rubber Guard Radio, my friend. Tremendous. Tremendous. <laughs> that is huge news. <clears throat> I can, uh, I'll be a smart ass right now, but I, I could feel all the uh, Texas Indie message boards just going, blowing up. <laughs> Watch out for IHWE. Wow, brother. You know, you, you've, you've come a long way since, since your relaunch. Uh, you've turned shit around, brother. You know, it's, it's hard work, guys. You know, it's it's hard work, and we we don't stress it enough here on the show. Um, promoters, get out there, hustle, work. You know, be like David Fuller, be like Jesse Hernandez. You know, go out there and hustle. Now, uh, <clears throat> I uh, it's been a while since we've had you on the air, and and we just, yes, sir. we met you. You mentioned earlier the wrestler and uh, and Dylan's part. Uh, what did you think of the movie? I enjoyed it. I hated the ending. <laughs> I was watching it uh, before uh, before I got uh, before I was able to see it in the theaters. I was uh, watching a, an internet uh, download um, just somewhere that I found, and I was watching it. And when the movie ended, I thought something was wrong with my computer, and I started hitting the monitor. So I almost broke my hand, and then I went to the theater and saw it and realized that was the ending. Uh, no, it was a very uh, – whenever wrestling movies come out, there's a huge – and I kept hearing this. I kept hearing it from a lot of people. It's going to expose the business. And my biggest thing was the business has been exposed for years. Uh, it's not going to hurt the business because everyone – there's been a lot of people that have done stuff to try to hurt the business, but yet, WrestleMania still draws 
uh, almost 100,000 people, and it draws over a million-dollar buy rate every year. Uh, uh, the NBC special didn't hurt us. Vince coming out in the 80s saying we're entertainment didn't hurt us. Uh, the Von Erichs didn't hurt us, and Chris Benoit didn't hurt us. So if all of that combined didn't – they may have crippled the business for a short time, but over a long period of time, the business has been okay through all these tragedies and through all these changes. I told everybody, if this gets an Oscar nomination, it's worth it. Are you kidding me? I loved it. What did you think? Still amazed. I'm still blown away from just... Even if you were to take out the wrestling parts, Dave, it was an amazing movie. Right. Uh, it was really touching, the, the stuff with, uh, with the Ram and his daughter. That was just good mm. acting, no matter... Right. You know, in a, in a in a comedy, a drama, you know, a wrestling movie, it doesn't matter. It was good acting, and and I'm glad that you know he won the Golden Globe, and, you know, and he's a strong candidate to win the Oscar, just because. First off, what he what it took for him to get into that role, right? Okay, and you know he went out and trained, right? He trained, which was just you know amazing. And then, all, you know, also just the acting and, and everything, it was all well put together. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the screenplay didn't win. Um, because I feel that this would have been a really good book. That type of storytelling and, and you know, just uh, really good shit there, brother. I thought uh, um, Bruce Springsteen did a wonderful job with the wrestler song as well. I love that song. You know, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't play it at the beginning like they usually do for movies. They, they didn't play it until the freaking credits, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they played his his theme song though, so right. I mean, it made sense. And just just the way that they still uh, told the story was just you know just uh, just amazing. And and I don't think anyone's going to be able to top it. Uh, I don't think so either. And Marissa Tomei in her role, which is oh my awesome. dear God, brother. <laughs> She hasn't looked that hot since my cousin Vinny. Right, right. Then she, I mean, she she went from my cousin Vinny to punching George Costanza to being in a movie that it, it, I believe the movie reinvigorated both her and Mickey Rourke's career. Uh, you know, Mickey said time in and time out he was doing literally nothing. I think the last movie I saw Mickey Rourke in of any importance was uh, uh, and you've probably seen this this little independent movie called Thursday. There you go. With Thomas Jane and Aaron Eckhart, which I think is a superb movie. If you've never seen it, go out and see Thursday. It's very hard to find on DVD. Uh, there's a few imports on Amazon. you got to pay like 30 bucks for it. But I'm telling you, uh, I think KZ's seen it. It's an awesome movie. It is phenomenal. <clears throat> okay. Let's, uh, we're going to switch gears real quick here. Um, well, you... You're a worker, you've ran companies, uh, you've been around the business, uh, you were trained by the oldest of the old school, Johnny Valentine. <laughs> Tell me, when you were a mark, what smartened you up? Uh, just like, was it uh, like dirt sheets or what? No, I mean just, you know, when you figured out it was a work. Um, I started reading the Pro Wrestling Torch. So and uh, I started reading that. And, for that. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I started reading it in the early 90s. And, uh, I mean, I heard that it was a work, but, uh, you know, I never really paid any attention until I started subscribing to The Torch, I believe, in 94. And uh, I was very lucky because uh, that was just, it was such a wonderful time to be a fan when the Monday Night War started. And I remember uh, that just time in my life will never be touched. And we used to have one TV on top of another. One had Nitro, one had Raw. And I used to get the torch every, this was before I knew David Meltzer even existed. Uh, I used to get the torch every week and, you know, be reading what's going to happen this week. And uh, that was just such a wonderful time. And then meeting Johnny in 98 and just, I'm, Man, my first day in training, oh, my gosh. And this man, he's paralyzed, but, uh, you know, he could still throw a form like you wouldn't believe. And uh, so he got me in the ring, and he started having me bump, and then they started having me run the ropes. Man, you never know how out of shape you are until you start running those ropes, and then you get a big guy who's about 300 pounds. He wants to crisscross with you. And if you hit him, you know what happens. And then he says, now we're going to do drop down. So I'm like, okay, drop down. He'll he'll lay down in the middle of the ring, and I can jump over him. No, you hit one side, you jump over him, and he's right there on your ass when you come off the ropes the next time. <laughs> I took about 50 bumps my first day, man. Oh, man. That's crucial. Yeah. Uh, the business was exposed for me for that uh, 2020 special on ABC. John Stossel? Uh, yeah, that... that fucking Eddie Mansfield ruined it for me. <clears throat> yeah, but David Schultz slapped the piss out of him and left you with a wonderful memory. Yes, it was. That was brilliant stuff. <laughs> now, now, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Um, there, I, I've got some friends that are younger that are just breaking in, and, and they were never shown the art of making a blade. And they said that that was the most educational part for them from the movie The Wrestler, where he taped it up, you know, and then he hit it in his uh, his uh, his wrist it's and tape. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I've never seen that before. I've always seen guys stuff it, you know, either under under their tape or in their mouth or whatever. And I've never mm-hmm. seen them put a small piece of tape on there. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of interesting. And the only uh, the only thing that I, I it didn't really. The only thing it didn't really show, I think, was the psychology. Uh, you know, Ram when he when he was working that one guy at the first show, the guy with the pointy hair. Uh, mm-hmm. They really he they they showed you a few minutes of him just going over what they'll do, but I mean they weren't really, you know, showing you, you know, okay okay kid, let's do this, you know, let's do this, and and then he didn't he didn't really have to go over anything, but uh, with the uh, Ernest Miller, because they worked each other so many times. But I, I think psychology is a lost art in this business, Casey. I think uh, not enough guys put emphasis on psychology and really tell a story in a match. I think I think there's just a lot of uh, a lot of people hurry, they get in the ring and they want it. They watch a lot of Ring of Honor, and God bless Ring of Honor because it is I think the best promotion in North America as far as guys going out there and busting their ass every night. But I think if you want to learn how to work, you need to watch DiBiase. You need to watch Steamboat. You need to watch 
Flair back in the 80s. You need to watch the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express. And then in the 90s, you want to watch Bret Hart and HBK. You need to watch those 20, 25-minute matches because you really... Man, you know what's wonderful about 24-7 is you get these house shows. Now, granted, most of them suck, and most of these matches are horrible. I wouldn't suggest watching Iron Mike Sharp against Boris Zukov. <laughs> but I would suggest watching the Rockers against the Hart Foundation or Randy Savage against the Million Dollar Man. Uh, if you can, and even there's a couple Hogan matches up in those house shows where Hogan went in there and just went balls to the wall, usually because of who he was working. If he get, got in there with a Harley race or a million-dollar man, he turned it up. But I think psychology is really lost, and that's what I spend a lot of my time doing on these shows is, is after two guys come to the back, we got to monitor in the locker room, and I get the DVD. Oh, yeah, by the way, another thing we're doing down here is we're recording our shows in high definition. Another cool thing we're doing. Uh, I get the DVDs, I think 48 hours after the show. I come home immediately, and I watch every match. And I, I don't get to watch all the matches at the shows because obviously I'm trying to get everything else together. But I watch all the matches, and then what I try to do is I try to have everybody over. I invite all the workers over to the house, and we watch the show together. And that really helps the young guys because you got the veterans over here, and the veterans will say, hey, you know, next time try this, next time try that. Uh, it's necessity in this business. It's necessity for guys that have been around for a long time to show these guys the way. And, you know, guys like me, you know, I've been in this 11 years. My career is coming to a close toward the end of the year. Uh, character wrestling-wise, I'm going to hang it up. Uh, but uh, I'm so what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to get the guys ready in the ring, you know, as much as I can, which is when I wrestle nowadays, it's, to help a young guy slow down, pay attention. The little things are what counts, you know, that sort of thing. I think psychology is a lost art, but I think it's a necessity in this business. Mr. Fuller, thank you for your time, brother. I'm, I'm going to have to kick you off. i got my next guest. Let's plug uh, IHWE's website. IHWENow.com. We just posted a very exclusive in-depth interview with Bill Mercer from World Class Championship Wrestling. we got videos, merchandise. And all the updated information about the shows, Jimmy Jacobs coming in, all that good stuff. I-H-W-E, now, N-O-W, dot com. Fucking awesome. Always a pleasure to have you on, Mr. Fuller. It's always always a good time. Um, I will be talking to you very soon, and, and we'll get you on uh, closer to closer to March so we can, uh, we can discuss the happenings in I-H-W-E. Thank you, sir. Everybody have a good night on Robert Guard Radio. Thank you, KZ. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in. Okay, that was uh, Vengeance David Fuller. I have uh, on hold Mr. Shima. Um, let me patch you in. Shima, good evening. Hello. Hello. Am I live and on air? You are live and on the air, and let's let's see how good my Tagalog is. Como esta na? I don't speak Filipino, to be honest with you. Oh, jeez, oh, horrible. You mean I speak more Tagalog than you do? That's horrible. Wait, I wait. I think I know the reply to that. Wait, let's try that again. Let's try that again. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think I was supposed to say Mabute, but yeah, that's right. I don't. Close, yeah, I guess. Wow. <laughs> well, I grew up in I grew up in Northern California, so that kind of yeah. I grew up in Southern California, actually. Where about in Southern California? Are you familiar with Hawthorne, California? 
Of course I am. Yeah, that's where I'm from, 139th and Rose Grant in Hawthorne. Oh, tremendous. So tell me, how'd you become a fan? Uh, you know what, man? I was just telling the story to someone earlier. Uh, there was no turning point for me, just from as long as I can remember. I I watched wrestling, and, you know, I just I never lost interest. Like, a lot of my friends, they grew out of it over the years, but... I just, I just always, you know, liked it. So at, uh, so at what point did you say, hey, I want to do this? Well, I always knew that I wanted to do it, but uh, I guess when I really realized that it was a possibility was probably when I was 16 years old. Uh, I attended the first Ring of Honor show in Pittsburgh, and uh, I went there with my friend, and after the show we waited around uh, trying to meet some of the wrestlers, and the first person we ran into was CM Punk. And, you know, of course I asked him, I said, you know, how do I become a wrestler? And he asked me where I was from. And I told him that I was living an hour from Pittsburgh. So he introduced me to Norm Connors, who ran the IWC promotion. And that promotion had a wrestling school at the time, too. So uh, I, I found all the information on their website, and I tried out. In June 2003, when I was 16 years old, I, I tried out for their school, and I made it into the class. And I was one of three that graduated from the class out of ten students. Who were the other two? Uh, the other two were Marshall Gambino, who currently wrestles in IWC, and uh, Maverick, who he wrestles here and there, I think, but uh, he's mostly a manager right now. Okay, cool. So um, at Norm's school, who did the majority of the in-ring training? Uh, Super Hentai was my main trainer at the time, and Shirley Doe was also training me. And uh, Glenn Spector, uh, he's retired now, but he was doing a Wonder Woman gimmick for a, for a while. Uh, he was another guy that uh, was training with me a lot back then. You know, whenever I hear the name Glenn Spector, I think, fuck. And, you know, <laughs> You're familiar uh, with him. Of course. That that was wow. uh, that's about as as Japanese indie sleazy as you, as you can get. That's the good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he, was, he was pretty sleazy as far as the entering stuff goes in DDT. Uh, I was pretty sleazy for all the uh, out of the ring stuff in DDT. <laughs> now tell me, Glenn Spector, is it a shoot? Is it a shoot? No, actually, Glenn's married now. Uh, I think that's why oh, he stopped okay, wrestling. That doesn't that doesn't mean anything. You know, especially out here in California. What are you trying to say? You think his wife is just a, a beard, a cover-up for him? I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I've heard, heard some strange stories in locker rooms and, and hotel rooms. So. Well, you know, there's, there's always stories when it comes to professional wrestling, but I think I can safely say Glenn Spector is, uh, is not batting from the wrong side of the plate. Tremendous. Tremendous. So you, you discussed DDT. Um, how much time did you spend out there? Uh, I went to Japan uh, for two weeks when I was 19 years old. Uh, it was the summer of 2006. And uh, fun fact, I only had 50 matches under my belt when I went there. So I was I was really new to wrestling still. I hadn't been wrestling that long. Uh, maybe I think a little over a year at the time. And uh, like a lot of people ask me uh, how that all came about, just because I was so young and uh, so green at the time too. How did I get such a big opportunity so early? And uh, really, 
really how that came about was uh, my friend Kudo, who wrestles in DDT. Uh, he stayed in America for a while. Uh, he was it was one of the first matches I ever had. Actually, it was a like a four way against Kudo, and I met him that night. And we had the match, and I found out he was going to be staying in Pittsburgh, and he was booked on a lot of the same shows that I was booked on. So we were going to get to be hanging out a lot, traveling the roads and stuff like that. And Kudo, he came real close with me, just still to this day one of my good friends. And uh, he got back to Japan. He had some DVDs, and he gave them to his, uh, his boss, who is uh, Sanshiro Takagi. And Takagi watched the DVDs, and he saw me come out with this look when I had this big multicolored hair and uh, makeup. It's a real, like, glam rock image. And, and DDT's got a lot of weird gimmicks, and I think I think Takagi saw uh, I think he saw something in me, because all of a sudden uh, my friend Mackie, who's kind of he's kind of helped a lot of people get to Japan and stuff. Mackie was talking to me and telling me that uh, I think that he thinks I'm coming to Japan. I'm like I I didn't even believe it. I just just kind of took it with a grain of salt. I'm like oh okay I'm going to Japan right, and then Kudo emailed me and said. I think you're coming to Japan. And then all of a sudden, uh, I got contacted to come to Japan, and they invited me over for two weeks. So, yeah, it was my first time out of the country, and uh, my first time flying by myself as well. So I was I was pretty terrified. And it worked out. So, you know, 50 matches under my belt, and I'm in Tokyo wrestling with Dick Togo. It was, it was pretty surreal, i got to be honest. Oh, man. Uh, the the listeners have heard this many times before, but I love Dick Togo. <laughs> um, he is such a badass. I, yeah, he's is, he's tremendous. How is how is Dicky out of the ring? He's great, man. Uh, very respected by all the wrestlers. You know, they, they treat him. They treat him with very, very, very much respect. And uh, he's a really nice guy, helpful. You know, uh, I I honestly feel that Togo and uh, Mori Bay, his partner at the time, and one of my really close friends, I feel like they kind of saved that tour for me because uh, at the time in America, I was wrestling as a heel 99% of the time. I was I was wrestling a heel style, so I wasn't doing a lot of high flying, and I wasn't really experienced doing that. And uh, because of my size at the time, DDT assumed that I was this high flyer, and I got there, and I wrestled my normal style, and uh, when I first match back in Tokyo, I got to the back and uh, I asked Mackie. I was like, "Hey, how'd it look?" He said that uh, he's like, uh, "Everyone thought uh, maybe more flying for me." And then I was just like, "Oh fuck!" Because <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't a high flying wrestler at the time, despite being so small. And I was really worried. I'm like, "Wow, this tour is going to be terrible now." And uh, I actually I'd wrestled Dick Togo and Mori Bay in that first match and. I was talking to Mori Bay, and I told him, I said, uh, yeah, they thought I was going to be a high flyer, and I wasn't. You know, I'm really worried. And he told me, uh, don't worry. He said, uh, uh, this tour, me and Togo, uh, we teach you Lucha Libre. So it literally was overnight. I, I started, I, my style completely changed because they taught me just before the show all morning, just in the ring, teaching me all these uh, Mexican wrestling spots and holds and just having me springboard and seeing if I could do different things. And that's when I started learning that, you know, I might be able to be a high-flying wrestler. But I, I never had the confidence, you know, just so dangerous. Like, I sometimes, you know, I have a hard time 
you know, justify taking some of those risks. And uh, but I started to realize I, I could actually perform a lot of these intricate moves, and I started getting more comfortable. And then all of a sudden, my style changed. I got back from Japan, and I was like a different wrestler. It was it was really crazy. But uh, I mean, the tour went well. Uh, they invited me back a year later, but I couldn't go because of college. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to go back there. But it went went really well, and uh, I think you know Togo and Mori Bay really helped me a lot when I was in Japan. And uh, I think I kind of have that tour to credit because I had that experience so early on in my career. I think it's kind of helped me advance, you know, a little bit quicker than most because I started. You know, I thought the quality of my matches was getting a lot better after I returned from Japan as opposed to before it. So I think going there really helped me. And man, if that was only for two weeks, I couldn't imagine, you know, what kind of stuff I would learn if I was there for three months or something, you know. Now, did you get in the ring with Dino at all? Um, I have wrestled Dino, but not in Japan. I wrestled him at an IWC show in Pittsburgh uh, about, a, about a year ago, I'd say. No, two years ago. But yeah, you should you should seek that match out. It's really really gay. <laughs> Did you take his finish? Uh, which one? The face in the front of the tight pile driver. No, I didn't take it. I think my tag team partner Jason Gorey took it in that match. But uh, but unfortunately, Gorey had to take the finisher. But then I had to be the one that got kissed in the mouth by Dino. You know, at some point in the match. So. Uh-huh. It's <laughs> always fun. Well, Dino's just, yeah. uh, you know what, the whole men's club gimmick in, in Japan is just, it, it's amazing. You know, It, it is pretty amazing. I haven't seen much of it, what I have seen. I I like to think that if I was still over there, I would also be in the men's club angle. I have to agree. I have to agree. <laughs> I have to agree with you. Um, hopefully, uh, Men's Teo is listening and you know they can bring you in. Oh no no no! Because then he, he's got to expect some favors, some favors if you know what I mean, some some sexual favors, and I I do not subscribe to that nonsense. We'll we'll leave those to Glenn Spector. Yeah, please. Uh, you see, I'm I'm going through my sponsor's website, SlamBamJam.com, and okay. we have I've ordered some from, DVDs off there before. There you go, Alfredo's a good dude. We have a. 5408 DTU in Mexico. Uh, oh, yeah, Crazy yeah. Boy, Crazy Boy and El Generico go against Joe Leader and yourself. Um, Did you think of a, of a more amazing match right there? It's, it's a dream match, I think. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's because at that time, I mean, Crazy Boy and Leader were just, you know, insane. They were just insane. Yeah. The shit they were doing. And, you know, Generico is Generico. And toss you in the mix. It's fun stuff. Um, if you want to check this out, you can uh, go to slambamjam.com and type in X-I-O-N in the search engine, and it'll bring you to the DTU shoe. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, how was your time in Mexico? Oh, I loved it. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought I enjoyed my time in Mexico even more than my time in Japan. So, uh, it was a great experience. I actually, I was in Mexico twice last year, but the first time didn't get a lot of hype. But uh, I went to Mexico City for Deteu. That's Crazy Boy's company. It was, you know, you don't hear about a lot of uh, Americans getting flown to Mexico to wrestle, you know. Like, you hear a lot about, you know, guys going to Japan, but it's 
not too often you hear about a, a wrestler touring Mexico, you know. So something I'm really proud to say that I did. Well, in in the show's write up for in the write up for tonight's show, I, I I put you down as East Coast indie young lion. Um, you're yeah, that's great. You're still a baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I noticed here that, that you were in the Chikara Young Lions Cup in 05, and you lost in the first round to Crossbones. Now yep. tell me, how stiff are those kicks? <laughs> you know what? I I don't think he kicked me at all. <laughs> like, I don't remember. I haven't seen the match in a long time, but I I don't think he kicked me once in the match, actually. <laughs> so, I unfortunately, I can't say. Crossbones is a he, he's he's really good. I'm really surprised that he hasn't ventured out. I'm pretty sure he has a really good day job. So, but yeah, that's yeah, he's a tattoo artist, I believe. So there you go, there yeah. you go. Now I'm uh, I'm going through your results here, and, and I'm seeing the name Jason Gorey. Um, yeah, you uh, you debuted in IWC against him, and um, you guys were both. Uh, winners, co-winners of the Rookie of the Year for IWC. Um, how'd you get hooked up with Jason? Uh, Jason was actually in the uh, training class at IWC before mine. Like his class was considered the first class. Uh, they started training in February of 2003, and then my class started training June 2003. So uh, we were just like the small guys from each class, and. That's why uh, they stuck us together, you know, because we were the same size, so we practiced a lot of stuff with each other in training, and uh, we just ended up having a chemistry with each other, and I think everyone noticed that, and they just started booking that match all over the place, you know, for about the first two years of my career. I wrestled him, you know, I don't know how many times, but they were all in, like, the first two years of our career, though. Uh, We had, like, a match in Philadelphia in the summer of 2006, and then I didn't wrestle him again for like a year. And then I wrestled him once in 2007, like a year later. But I didn't wrestle him for another year. <laughs> so I wrestled him 10 million times in like uh, from 05 to 06, and then I wrestled him like three times in the last three years. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's very he's very good, though, very underrated. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going through... I'm going through these listings and, and I'm seeing all kinds of uh, big indie names: Nigel McGuinness, uh, Hero, Claudio, AJ Styles. Um, you know the list goes on, uh, and I'm going to have to credit Norm Connors for bringing in, you know these these name guys, you know for for the younger kids that work for him to work with. And um, I have a question: um, out of all these quote unquote outside talents. Which one, you know, really helped you? You know, really influenced you? And Joey Matthews, Joey Matthews by far. Uh, I didn't wrestle Joey Matthews in IWC. I wrestled Joey Matthews the first time for Madman Pondo's IWA East Coast. Uh, he's been an influence of mine like for a while. Like I've always really liked his work, and I think it was around that time, maybe a little bit before that match happened, uh, a promoter asked me who I'd want to work if I had a choice, and I told him I'd want to work Joey Matthews. And then a couple months later, Pondo called me and asked me if I'd want to work Joey Matthews on his next show. And I jumped at the opportunity. I was really excited, looking forward to it. 
I was nervous. And, uh, you know, I think I think wrestling someone who's been in all the places that Jimmy Matthews been, been around that long, you know, he's got a world of knowledge. And I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I got to wrestle him and he got to pass on a lot of that knowledge to me, you know, that I couldn't get, you know, I couldn't get that knowledge from working some of these guys on the indie shows. But, you know, I was lucky enough to work Jerry Matthews. He taught me so much. And I'm very grateful, very grateful for him taking the time to do that. And uh, I wrestled him in a tag team match a few months later. Again, just taught me so much that I, I would never know if, you know, I hadn't wrestled him. And he's really, really helped me those times that I've met him. And uh, now he's one of my favorite guys to study watch his you know, old matches and you know, see everything that he does. Like Joey Matthews, uh, Chris Heroes helped me a ton. He's one of my really good friends, too. And uh, he's helped me so much, and I'm very grateful for that, too. And uh, I don't know, man. Just you, you learn something, you know, from working these guys, you know, every time you go out there. So it's a big honor, you know, for me to be able to work with them anytime Norm or any other promoter, you know, books them against me. So, yeah, I'd have to say Joey Matthews, Chris Hero. Uh, you, I've learned a lot uh, from Loki too. I talked to Loki and, and also Ricky Reyes. He's helped me a ton. So yeah, I'd probably say those four guys have definitely been influences. Now, now the next gentleman we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about his ROH managing bullshit. Uh, we're going to talk about the in-ring worker, Larry Sweeney. Uh, Larry is one of my personal favorites. Um, what do you think of Larry? Oh, he's a great guy, man. Uh, great guy. Like, couldn't say a bad thing about him. He's me and him have been friends for a long time too. We were traveling, doing a lot of traveling together back in 2006, uh, going to like Chicago for IWA Mid South. Just long road trips, but uh, yeah, me and him really clicked on all those road trips that we did. Uh, and uh, close friends, man. He's a good guy. I've I've had quite a few good matches with him too. So, yeah, dude, nothing but thumbs up for Sweeney. Yeah, he's just, he's at a whole different level than, you know, most indie guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got know, something special. The, the, you can, there's, there's pills, there's, there's juice to make you big, but there's not anything you could take to make you taller. And it's a <laughs> fucking shame. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, I, I've said it many times, he's the second coming of Eddie Gilbert. He's that type of him, just a a dick in the ring and and creatively, you know, promo wise, just just amazing. Um, well, speaking of amazing promos and work ethic, um, what do you think of Sammy Callahan? Sammy's my my darling for two thousand eight. Oh, really, Sammy fan. Callahan? Huh? Oh yeah. Uh, Sammy, Sammy's great, man. Me and him, we've been friends for a while too. Uh, I met him. I met him when I was like nineteen years old. He was like 300 pounds, and he was backstage at an AIW show in Cleveland. And uh, just kind of hit it off with him then, and we kept in touch. And then, you know, I didn't see him for years, and then all of a sudden I didn't even recognize him. You know, he was about the same size as I was. I couldn't believe it. But, yeah, I mean, he just he blew up out of nowhere, and I'm happy for him, for real. He's going to he's going to Europe soon, so I think he's going to do really well over there. Yeah, he's, he's going for uh, WXW, the... 16 carat. He's one of the alternates. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, he's he's fun to watch, and you know his his promos. If if no anybody out there has not seen Sammy Callahan promos, you need to go to YouTube. The guy is 
he's out there, um, <laughs> to say the least. He's out there. Um, now I'm I'm looking through here and I'm just uh, I'm just searching through and and I'm finding friends of the show here. We have the Heartbreak Express. Uh, you had a match teaming with uh, Pele Primo down yeah. uh, for FIP. Um, what, what do you think of the Heartbreaks? Uh, they're great. They're great, man. I had a lot of fun with those guys. Yeah, they're they're amazing. Um, another team that you know they're I think they were born ten years too too late. Um, I think they would have been a, a really good complement, you know, back in the territorial days. Um, it's obvious who their who their influences are. You know, I mean, they've been watching tapes and tapes and tapes and. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the standard question, um, and you cannot answer Joey Matthews. Okay. <laughs> now, suppose suppose I'm running a show out here in San Francisco, and I'm gonna fly you in, and I can fly in any non-contracted indie worker for you to work. Mm. Who would that be? Hmm. Oh, that is a good question. And you don't question. have to think about trying to sell tickets. It's a soul change. Right, right, right. So, uh, man, I don't. I, I've worked with so many great people. You know, I can't really think of someone right off the top of my head. Maybe, uh, I think I, I think I would really like to work with Claudio again. I'd like to have a singles match with him. So maybe I'll say Claudio just off the top of my head. Claudio, man. I don't know what kind of bullshit it was, but that guy should be in the Fed. I mean, there's oh, yeah, no doubt. doubt. You know, I mean, ready-made gimmick. You know, it, he's got the size; he can go. You know, and it, it's yeah, I would I would have brought him in and brought him to Europe, but that's just <laughs> me. You know. <clears throat> now, have you ever gotten in the ring with my favorite Black Irishman, Rick O'Shea? Rick O'Shea, I. Hmm. Oh, oh, wait, you're talking about Ricochet? I know who you're talking about. Uh, yes, actually, I have. It took me a second. I was thinking, like, you said Rick O'Shea as in, like, an Irish name. So I didn't even I didn't piece together that you were saying. Man, I was slow on that one. Unbelievable. But, yeah, actually, I wrestled Ricochet in a four-way in Indianapolis. It was a really good match, too. It's worth checking out. I think you can get it on SmartMart Video. But uh, it was actually, you might be interested in checking it out. It's me, Ricochet, Billy Rock, and Sammy Callahan. So check it out. It's a real good match. Yeah, I think he's one of the uh, best pure high flyers in the States. He's just Yeah, he's great, him. man. You know, he's got that whole Jack Evans thing going on where, you know, you're like, okay, is this a video game? You know, what, what's going on here? <laughs> And since he's put on the mask for Chikara, the the Elios gimmick, it's just you know it's totally turned, you know, gave him a completely different outlook and just good stuff. Um, I mentioned Chikara. When are you coming back? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I was there a few months ago. I wrestled. Uh, I wrestled in their Cleveland show in September. I, I had fun, man. So uh, I guess we'd have to ask whoever their commissioner is. I think it was uh, the guy that played Joey from Full House. Last time I checked, so Dave Couillet. Uh, yeah, we'll have to ask Dave Couillet when I'm coming back. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. What do you think of the Chikara product? I think it's great, man. Uh, 
I wish I wish they'd use me more because I, I feel like I'm a natural fit. So I think it's I think it's really cool, man. They're doing something different and I'm down with that. So I always have a good time going there. Yeah, that that's uh is always on my you know, my monthly my monthly order to Smartmark Video. Just because the, the just the product is it's completely different. And it's yeah. you know, it's a fresh breath of air or wait, breath of fresh air, sorry. Uh, now uh the the time that you spent there, um what do you think of Mike Quackenbush? Mike Quackenbush is awesome, man. He's he's very intelligent, you know, very well spoken guy. He's a gentleman and uh, he did a seminar uh, up in Ohio. I went to it and I learned a lot of the holds that he does and everything. This man, the guy has got so much knowledge and so good in the ring. Actually, you know, that might be another uh, dream opponent of mine, Claudio. I'd really like to wrestle Blackenbush as well because I've never gotten the chance yet. Oh, you you need to uh, you need to get to get on Norm Connors to do that because uh, <laughs> Mike booked himself six months ahead, so it's kind of tough to get oh. that guy get that guy on your show. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's an amazing talent. Um geez, when did I first see Quack? Ninety six, ninety seven. And you know, he's still doing it and at a yeah. high level. <clears throat> and he's doing his own thing. <clears throat> now you you mentioned Cleveland. Um do you do you or have you worked for Cleveland All Pro? Yeah, I worked for Cleveland All Pro uh, in 2007, when they were on TV for a while on Sports Time Ohio, I was doing their TV tapings. Uh, it was a good time, man. I, I wasn't there that long because I think their dates conflicted with other dates that I had. So I didn't get to do too much, but I think I wrestled maybe three or four shots for them in 2007. And uh, it was a good time, dude. It was, it was a good time. Now, what are your feelings on Billy Rock? Billy Rock? Well, uh, he's dude, Billy Rock's real good. I, did he retire? I thought I heard he retired or something. But uh, I, I heard he was thinking about it. Yeah, I, I think I heard he retired. I, I thought I read that he had his last match in Insanity Pro. So he might be retired now, and you know, I, I know he's got like a family and stuff too. So I understand. You know, I don't blame him at all. But he's very good in the ring, and you know, it's a shame that he's not around. Now I'm I'm going through here through your results and and I see that you've gotten in the ring with the Tomasellis. Um, yeah. Which Tomaselli was your favorite to get in the ring with? And and you won't um, tell me because they're all friends of mine. You know what? I think Brandon. Me and Brandon had a real cool match at IWA Mid South a couple of years ago. So and that was my uh, that was my second match at IWA. I worked Sweeney uh, real early in my career and. Uh, it was my debut at IWA Mid-South. It was all right. And then uh, when I got back from Japan, I went back there, and I wrestled Brandon in my first match back at IWA. And I thought we had a really good match. So, you know, I have to say he was my favorite because I wrestled uh, Vito and Sal, but it was in an eight-man tag. So I didn't get a ton of spring time with them. But, yeah, I'd like to wrestle them too, definitely. I would like to see you and Sal one-on-one. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Stylistically, I think it would it would work. Um, I I'm not gonna put over Vito. He's a dick. He doesn't come on my show anymore. But Sal still does. So. Aww. But, <laughs> but you know that's that's the way it goes. <clears throat> I go way back with those cats. Okay. But um, 
Have you gotten any feelers to work for uh, their company up in Chicago? Uh, you know what? I actually, yeah, I did talk to uh, Vito about it because uh, they're doing a gimmick up there, uh, sex, drugs, and wrestling, and I think I'd be a good fit for that. So I actually have talked to them uh, a little bit, you know, but not since that time that I talked to Vito. But you know, we'll see, man. I'm I'm gonna be in Chicago soon anyway, so you know. You never know. Cool, cool. Any talks of you working for Ring of Honor? Uh, not yet, but uh, they're coming to Pittsburgh um, March 20th, and I'm really hoping I'll get to be on the pre-show or something, so we'll see about that, you know. It's definitely, definitely a goal. Yeah, it's pretty cool that they have that HDNet TV deal. Yeah, I don't get that channel, though, so I'm just kind of bummed out, but, you know. I think they actually show there's a stream on the HDNet website, if I remember right. Oh, really? So, <clears throat> let's see. I am going to go through here. Ah, Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Talk about a controversial guy. He's controversial? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he left He left Jakarta, went to Ring of Honor, took off his mask. Then now he's back... In Chikara with his mask. That's I'm freaking crazy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how the commission is going to let that go. But uh, what, what are your feelings of, on Jigsaw as a worker? Uh, Jigsaw is great, man. He's great. Uh, had a couple matches with him, actually. Uh, I wish we could have did more. I wrestled him in a three-way dance in Ohio. And uh, we didn't have a lot of time to put it together, so it was just you know, kind of a simple match, and and I had a singles match with him in Ohio a few months later, and man, we just we just weren't in it that day. Like there was maybe twenty, thirty people in the crowd, and it was my fifth match in three days, and I was just you know, I was just burned out for the weekend, and you know, he had a long drive coming in. We just I mean we didn't do bad or anything, but we both knew that we could have had a much better match. So I would like to wrestle Jigsaw again. <clears throat> Has uh, Jakara sent out any feelers for you to be in the Young Lions Cup again? Uh, not yet, not yet. Um, I remember the only other time I was, you know, asked about possibly working the Young Lions Cup was right before I went to Japan. Hiro asked me if I was going to be available to do it, but I was in Japan, so I didn't get a chance to. But you know, we'll see, we'll see, man. I would like to be back there definitely. <clears throat> January 19th, 2008, for ICW, or IWC, IWC, excuse me. Well, no, it's, okay, yeah, IWC. Um, you're teaming with Jason Gorey against Josh Prohibition and Matt Cross. Um, let's talk about uh, Josh and Matt. Uh, what do you think of those guys? I like them. Yeah, they're great. Uh, M-Dog, I remember about that match. M-Dog was really injured. He could, like, he was barely mobile, I remember, and he was still doing moon crazy shit like that. So, so yeah, I mean, he's hell athletic. and Josh is great, too, man. He's underrated. I, I haven't seen him, like, traveling a lot lately, but I see him in Cleveland, and he's still fucking awesome. And I'm surprised they haven't, you know, latched on somewhere, you know, as a... Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm surprised, too. I mean, back before XPW, even, I mean, I knew they were really good. 
you know, they were exceptional talents. And it's just amazing that, you know, a lot of the talent that's that's out on the indie scene just flips through the cracks and, you know, you're yeah. lucky to see them. I mean... So true, man. It's amazing. Yeah, you used to be no. an XPW fan. No. No? <laughs> Selective. Selective. Oh, okay. Um, where right. I would watch certain people and, and the Pogo the Clown... Uh, vignettes were just the greatest thing ever produced. <laughs> yeah, I, I was still in California for some of XPW, and uh, I would watch them um, KJLA. And <laughs> I, I liked it, man. I, I used to have an XPW website when I was like 14. Oh man! It was called XPW Live. But uh, I think it was kind of fun. I could. It's a shame I couldn't get a Jonathan Barber on. He'd he'd talk a, both of our ears off about XPW. <laughs> but now, you know, since he's Mr. Big Time Referee for Chikara, he can't come on my show. Oh. So I'm sorry. But um, last year in March, you guys had the uh, Devil Budokan Memorial Show. Um, yeah. And you were in a match with the returning Sharecropper. Let's talk about yeah. the show. How how did the show come off? Oh, man, the show was awesome. It was just, you know, it was a great cause, dude, and fucking, you, know, you had all the promotions in Pittsburgh working together for a night, and it was real cool, good atmosphere. The crowd was into the entire show. Uh, Sharecropper, we had a good match. I think that might have been his last match. Uh, I think he hasn't wrestled since then, but... Uh, you know, he, it was a good time. he wrestled in December for Chikara in a battle royal. All right. Well, I'm glad to see that he's still, you know, <laughs> he, he he's still popping up every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that guy was he was something different, I'll tell you. But you know, that's Chikara for you. Wacky, wacky, wacky. <clears throat> now, have you uh, sent any sent any feelers out to uh, take another tour of Japan or Mexico? Uh, Mexico is currently, uh, well, you know, we'll see. I'm really hoping to be in Mexico, uh, in May for DTU again. And, uh, you know, that, that should work out. The only problem is, it's, uh, it's scheduled right before my finals for college. So, you know, so what do I want to do? Do I want to pass the semester or do I want to go to Mexico and drink Corona and bang mamacitas and, you know, do the most hardcore Lucha Libre of all time? Well, you know, I can retake those classes in the fall, so I'm, go- I'm going there to Mexico. Go. <laughs> there you go. That's commitment, baby. That's commitment. Um, I see here that, that you've gotten in the ring with um, the Internet darling in the last few years, Mr. Tyler Black. Um, yeah. That guy, since I first saw Tyler in 2003, you know, and then now watching the ROH pay-per-views, he's just, geez, just grown and... Yeah, he's a man. He's ready. Um, what did you think of uh, your matches with him? Great, dude. We had a good time. Uh, he's someone I'd like to wrestle more, you know. Uh, I've had two matches with him. They were both three-way dances, though. I'd like to have a singles with Tyler. I think it'd be really good. Well, looks like now it's going to end up probably having to be in in an uh, in an ROH ring. Just uh, We'll see. <laughs> You know, just just because he's he's blowing up, and you know what though, it, it's good for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he put in his time. You know, he put in his time driving all the way everywhere from Iowa 
You know, that's nuts. Yeah. That's insane. But, uh, yeah, you, you've spent time on and off in IWA Mid-South. Um, I, I noticed that it was more like, you know, one-shots instead of programs. Yeah. Um, is there is there a reason behind that? Well, uh, he was he was using me, uh, you know, semi-regularly, Ian, I mean. And the uh, thing is, I was traveling with uh, the Chikara guys because, you know, they're coming all the way from Philly, and I live near Pittsburgh, so a long drive for, you know, them. So I would just meet up with them and, you know, someone else in the car, you know, and we'd just ride to Chicago or Indianapolis to do IWA, and uh, uh, I just stopped going there because they stopped going there. Uh, they didn't send cars anymore. Uh, just, you know, guys like Sweeney, I think he started doing Ring of Honor around that time, so, you know, he started getting pretty busy with that, and I don't know about the other guys, but, you know, after after they stopped going there, I stopped going there too. So, um, you know, that's, I think that's what led to the end of me going to IWA Mid South. And uh, Ian's hard to get a hold of too. So, for me to <laughs> try to contact him after that wasn't really working out either. But I am going back there uh, pretty soon, actually. So, be on the lookout. Cool, cool. Now, since you're you're originally from the West Coast, um, yeah. Have you ever worked out here? No, man. I I really wish I could. It just I would love to come back to California. So it's it's also another big goal of mine. Just because I haven't I haven't been back since I was 16, so <laughs> it would be nice. Cool, cool. Well, since you left, Southern California has blown up. Yeah, I remember when I was still when I was still around. Uh, last time it was like XPW, and uh, I started hearing about Rev Pro a little bit back then. But you know. Since then, you know, you got PWG and all kinds of crazy, wacky stuff out there. Oh, yes. And just uh, just to uh, inform the listeners, the Southern California does not end at Los Angeles. It goes all the way down to the Mexican border. Uh, there <laughs> is wrestling and quality wrestling in San Diego. Really? So, um, wow. I did not know oh, that. Yes. <clears throat> yes. But, uh, Shima, it was my pleasure having you on, brother. Um, hey, thank you for having me. I apologize for being all over with the questions, but I'm the anti-format ah, guy. So, but uh, <laughs> it's fine, how man. Could, uh, how could fans or uh, promoters contact you? Uh, probably the best way at this point would be my MySpace page, which is myspace.com/shimazion. I know you're all gonna mess up the spelling of Shimazion, so I'll do it real slowly. You know, get a pen, get a paper, whatever you have to do. It's S H I I. M-A, everyone always messes up the two I's, and then X-I-O-N, so Shima Zion, so go ahead, add me on MySpace, you know, say what's up, maybe I'll reply, maybe I won't, you know, if not with MySpace, be watching YouTube, you know, be on the lookout, I'm, I'm going to be everywhere soon, Chicago for AAW, Philly for Velocity Pro, I'm coming back to Mexico, I can't wait for that, so, you know, just be on the lookout. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for coming on, brother. Um, hopefully, we can have you on uh, closer to Super Indie time, so we can, uh, you know, plug that fun tournament. Oh, yeah, anytime. Oh, man. Before I let you go, um, tell me, what did you think of Mr. Brian Alvarez when he was uh, there for that Super Indie Seven show? You know what? I honestly didn't get a chance to talk to him. I, I introduced myself and everything, but 
Uh, I think I was I had like three matches or two matches that night or something. So I was kind of busy and I didn't get a chance to really talk to him. But he seemed like a nice enough guy. Cool, cool. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Shima. We'll have to have you on again uh, closer to Super Indie time. All right, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, brother, for coming on. All right, bye. Okay, that was East Coast Young Lion Shima Zeon. God, horrible. Horribly bad. I have on the line now old school Oliver John Ali. Hey, what's going on, man? Ah, Blowing up, brother, and you're the third segment. Nice. (laughs) Nice work. Now, before we go any further, before last month's uh, Gabe Ramirez show, I -hmm. saw you in 2008. We sat down. We had a meal after a big-time show, and you were a little larger at that show. Then I saw you a couple weeks ago, and I was like, Jesus, is that Ollie? Brother, (laughs) you've gotten... You know, you got rid of the mass and your your ripped shreds. Tell me, how'd you do it? Uh, you know, I just uh, I increased my cardio a little bit, but not that much, and uh, just just my diet for the most part. Just uh, you know, I I, eat, I never eat till I'm you know the, when you saw me before, I was kind of just starting to diet. I was on a huge bulk up routine where I was just eating anything and everything, but. Uh, I switched back over and just uh, modified uh, what I eat and how much. So my rule is I, mean, I can pretty much eat anything I want. It's just a matter of not uh, – I never eat till I'm full, and I can eat as often as I want. So that's, that's my diet. So it's, it's not so much of a diet as just uh, kind of controlling how I take it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't knocking you. You were in really good shape last year. I just You just – you know, you got more lean. And, and, and when I saw you in the ring with uh, – with Wrestling 4, I was like, whoa, whoa, time out here. Because I don't go to as many shows as I should. But uh, I saw you. I was just, well, I, I brought up 4. Um, what do you think of that kid? Uh, you know, I, I love uh, I love uh, working with Mr. That was the first time I actually got to work with Mr. Wrestling 4. So that was, uh, it was a good time. We had more expectations for what we wanted to do with it. Um, and in all the years I've known him, we haven't we haven't we've trained together, but we've never uh, actually gotten to lock up and, and work in front of an audience. So we were happy with it, but I think we wanted it to be more. So we're looking forward to down the road wrestling more and more. You know, getting more men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have the feeling that uh, you guys will be taking it on the road uh, since this NWA TV is starting to air. So oh yeah, that's uh, been, you know, that's been be a real good over. time. Yeah, NW, the NWTV tapings have been a lot of fun and a really good experience, you know. Because, I mean, you know, when you're working indies, it, it, it's different than working TV. It's a totally different animal because, you know, usually if I'm working a show, and especially in more and more, you know, and luckily for me, I'm getting more time. You know, like 20 minutes is, that's kind of the norm, you know, nothing really less than 20 minutes. So, which is good because, I mean, the more time you put, that's I was taught by an old-timer, Paul DeMarco, and, his whole goal was to be able to get me to do an hour. You know, he says that's when you learn how to work. That's how all those old-timers learned how to work was doing, you know, doing Broadways all the time. So, you know, I, I, it's something I used to be nervous about, and now I'm not. You know, I, I kind of welcome it. It kind of feels weird doing something shorter. So with TV, you know, you got the rep telling you, you know, cueing you, okay, we're going to commercial, all that stuff. So it, it's, it's awesome. It's an awesome experience. Well, you're, you're a lot like Michael Modest 
um, where you guys don't get going for 15 minutes. Right. Well, you know, you know, Mike the same, you know, the same mold. That's kind of how he was was taught, you know, and how he trained. You know, we trained kind of in, in, in different places, but in you know a parallel ideology, you know, and, and a foundation. So, yeah, we're in no hurry to you know get things going. So it's different when you've got to condense a story and tell a story in five minutes. You know, and that's, you know, that's the whole segment's five minutes. You know, that's getting in and getting out, doing the whole thing, and whatever angle's going on with it, too, because with TV there's usually some sort of an angle going on with it. It's just not a straight match. So it definitely, it's definitely different, but it's a lot of fun. Well, I, I mentioned, Mike, um, I know you've, you've guys teamed in the past. Have you ever gone one-on-one? You know, we never have. I think we've only teamed once or twice when uh, around the end of Iron. You know, Mike, uh, and there were a lot of times that right. uh, Mike wasn't there. Mike and I got together, you know, because he was coming back on the NOAA tours. And so we, I got to team with him, which was awesome because he's just a, you know, that dude's a killer, killer worker. You know, he's so solid and convinced and, you know, physical but safe. You know what I mean? So it was mm-hmm. like, awesome to He, he hit you hard in again. safe places. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's solid. No, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, you're not like, oh, did he hit me? But it's not like, man, the dude, you know, hit me with a big old spud. You know, it's nothing. It's not a potato. It's just, it's solid. It's strong. You can believe it. It helps you sell it, register the whole thing. You know, you, you get, you can definitely, you know, get way more into, you know, because suspension of disbelief is not just for, you know, the audience. It's, you know, if if the the worker has it in the ring and you, you know, you're believing it in a controlled manner. That's really when you're clicking and you're on all, you're hit, you know, you're running on all eight cylinders. And if you're believing it, the referee's going to believe it. The guy you're working with is going to believe it. And then the audience can believe it. And so get to work with Mike. Mike's, Mike's of, that, of that style. So it, it was, you know, I, I want to work with him again, you know. Well, you're, you're, your paths will cross. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's just and a matter that's, of That's time. all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I can't let any cats out of the bag. Um, right. But your paths will cross. And when that program starts, I will uh, definitely be in the house. Um, you, you mentioned referees. Um, let's bury Northern California's best referee, Sparky Ballard. Uh, <laughs> any funny Sparky Ballard stories? Uh, do you have any funny Sparky Ballard stories? You know, no, not really, because, you know, Sparky – yeah, for the most part, it's, it's, I've never seen him, you know, too much in action, you know, where he could incriminate himself in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, as a referee, you know, I've had him in matches, and he's done really, really well. And, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have any, any funny Sparky Ballard stories. i got nothing but good things to say about him. Um, you know, it's, it's in, you know, a good friend of mine, Tom Castro, he's another, you know, awesome referee up here. You know, Sparky was kind of – New at it, and Sparky does really, really well. Because I mean, it makes it's a world of difference to be in there with a good referee or a bad one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know instantly if it's a bad ref. So, and then, you know, Sparky, you almost don't even notice he's there, you know, but he's he keeps you in line too, you know, in the counts and kick out and stuff. You know, he's vocal, but he doesn't get too far in the way. He, you know, he keeps, he keeps it right down the middle, you know, and, and doesn't overstep his boundaries. It doesn't understep his boundaries. So. He's good. I got nothing but good things to say about Sparky. Last uh, last Wednesday, a week ago yesterday, um, at the Oakland Coliseum, uh, 
friend of mine, Jeff Dino, who owns WrestleWarehouse.com, cheap plug, and SoCalProWrestling.com, he uh, brought up a couple of his boys and his ring, and we set up the ring outside of the uh, Coliseum where they had a soccer match, and they uh-huh. put on their lucha masks, and you know everybody was they were doing the lucha stuff, and we brought in Sparky as the referee, mm-hmm. and I was the timekeeper. I had the bell, and Sparky and I were on the same page even. You know, he, he's all breaking down a two, puts up a two, and looks at me and points to two. And I was, I was just amazed the way that he was paying attention to what I was doing as the, as the timekeeper, not to mention what the boys were doing and what he was doing, and everything clicked. And I've always had respect for him as a ref, but after working with him last week, I was like, okay, this guy, is, he's, he's up there. And, and I had to put him over on the shelf just because he was tremendous. Yeah, he's he's of the same mold as like you know, and I, I always put Tom Caster because they're the same. They have a passion for it. You know, it's not just something because they want to be a mark and just be around it and and all that. I mean, they have a passion to be better referees, and they get it just the same way. I was telling you, you have to have suspension of disbelief yourself and get so into almost kind of like method acting. They do the same thing, and so that's you know for him to do that and be acknowledging you. Mechanic and a, and a worker, you know, mm-hmm. it's being able to get so into it and so absorbed and, and feel it and have it come from within that it's emotional and not just you know physical and technical. Okay, you uh, I'm not sure if it was November or December's NWA tapings. But you were in the ring with a with a very dear friend of mine, Sidereal, uh-huh. um, also known as SoCal Crazy. Mm-hmm. He uses w- whichever name is appropriate. Um, w- what did you think of the match you had with SoCal? I think we just had a, a short one because um, I was, you know, I'm, with the NWA, I'm, you know, and also with Revolution, I do the more control gimmick, you know. So, you know, I was out to deport him and all that stuff. So um, we had a good night, but it was short. It was, it was short. It was, I think we only had like two minutes. It was kind of a squash, but then he made the comeback. And then, you know, at, right when he was making, you know, I was beating the crap out of him and then, uh, you know, putting the heat on him. And then, and then at, you know, once he started making his comeback, you know, I slipped on the banana peel. He's making the comeback. That's when the other border patrol, and it was Nate rule. Was it Nate rule that time? It yeah. might've been actually, yeah. Was it Nate when we had Nate down there? Yeah. Um, Nate and Derek. Nate, yeah. And then they came in, of course, and, you know, distracted the ref and did the whole number, you know. And then I, I didn't nutted him, you know, did a nut shot, which I'm not too crazy, but that's how I, that's what I went with. And hit him with a I think, uh, no, I couldn't have been doing a pile driver because that's, that's Adam's thing. I think I switched right. that Valley driver, something like that, and then uh, took it home there. But it, it was fun, you know. I, and you, you wrestle so many matches on those those cards, you know, because they're taking so many episodes. Right. But it was it was a good match. We had a good time. And he's a cool cat, too. We kept, you know, he kept yeah, he's a good putting dude. over the, the Border Patrol gimmick in the back. You know, they're all running from us the whole time. <laughs> well, I, I, I've, we're, I'm trying to get any combination of you guys down to San Diego mm-hmm. um, just because you need to do that in front of that heavy of – a Mexican crowd. 
Um, yeah, it, it always it always makes a difference, especially so close down there. It would you know it resonates differently. You know, almost like in L.A., there's more and more to take a ton of time and they play along with it. But when you, you know, like when we work uh, Santa Maria, there's so much heat. I mean, they're throwing bottles. They're doing everything. I mean, there's some, I mean, there's some people who get it and there's some people who are not getting it. You know what I mean? And there's like borderline wrong kind of heat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like yeah. a, you know, farming community, you know, for the most part. And, oh, God, the heat is definitely different, you know. Working like San Francisco, San Francisco, and it's different. You know, they're more fun with it, and you never believe in it. You know what I mean? And it's like you got to watch some like the old salty dogs. You know, they, you know, if they had a weapon, they'd use it. So, <laughs> which is fun, man, because that's, I mean, that reminds me of you know the stories that I was taught when I was coming into it. It's like uh, Demarco was telling me a story where. Uh, he was teamed up with I forgot the dude's name, man. I wish I could remember it. It's been so long, but um, oh shoot, wish he kind of had up a here? bit of a wild, a kind of a wild Bruiser Brody type of gimmick for back then. And uh, he was teamed up with Paul, and they went up against uh, somebody in Pepper Gomez, and I think it was in Modesto. And he thought it was, you know, after you know Pepper went over, he thought it'd be a good idea to kick Pepper in the face. You know, and they worked it, but it wasn't part of the problem. Just, he just did it in the moment, and a riot broke, just absolutely broke out. And they stormed the ring, and I think they I might be confused. There have been a few riots that Paul's telling me about, but he looked down in the corner of his eye. I think this is the same story, and uh, he saw, like, a flash, you know, and he thought nothing. He, they were just knocking fools out. You know, if they were coming in, they were knocking them out, and they had to fight their way to get to, back to the dressing room, and they got back to the dressing room. Paul goes to take his trunks off, and his, his, one of his ass cheeks was just hanging down his hamstring. And I think that happens to me. Oh, my God, Paul, your ass. You know, it's just hanging down your leg. And, you know, he had to go get it stitched up. I mean, you see some of the old um, – there's those old Roy Shires, you know, Cow Palace, you know, 8-millimeter film. You know, there's no sound to it. You can kind of see the mm-hmm. succession of Cow Palace made events. Paul's there, and you can see he's all his legs totally taped up, and he ain't taking any bumps because he's got all those stitches. They stitched his ass back up, and he had to make the booking, or he would have been fired. <laughs> now you're talking my time, brother. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, so those, you know, those are the type of things that, you know I see in the back of my mind. If there's like too much heat, I'm like, oh crap, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want that, you know. Mm-hmm. But it feels killer. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll give you chills when there is that type of heat, and they're pelting your stuff, you know. Okay, let's see. So let's let's go back to the beginning. You you say you were trained by by Paul DeMarco. Um, mm-hmm. What what company did you break in with when when you first started? God, I, you know, I was with him. He was so old school that it took me years just to get him to to train me. And it was different because I was kind of you know it was just where kayfabe was getting broken. You know, it still there weren't even that many wrestling schools out when we first when I first started talking to him because I was. I was at a powerlifting meet. I had a Road Warrior shirt on, and he happened to be at the same gym working out. He said, he said, hey, I know those guys, you know, and I used to be a wrestler, blah, 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 blah. And we just kind of kept talking there. And I, I was a 17-year-old kid, 16, 17 years old, so he wasn't too hip to, you know, bring, you know, I was just, you know, I was just a mark, you know. And I had to, you know, earn his trust the old school way until finally he'd give me little tidbits of info. It took years, and then finally – uh, I think it was in 94 we started up our own school. 
it was the, the whole intention to have our own promotion, but you, know, you for whatever reason, you know, we couldn't get really the promotion going and stuff. And I thought I was too young and not ready to take something on like that and be a business owner and all that stuff or a part business. But I had a hell of a wrestling education. With you know, we had our own ring, I could train all the time. And it, it was it was a good experience. So and then I got I got kind of burnt with it because the business and dealing with all the BS of having to run a business not what I want to do. I want to I want to get out there and work. You know what I mean? And Paul was married to staying and uh, starting up something. So yeah, at that same time, I was getting into the shoot style of work that was getting over bit in Japan, and UFC was coming out. So I was just going to take a break. I lost a lease in the building, so I was going to take a break, and I wanted to get into fighting. And so that's I started going in that route. And before, before we closed the doors, uh, we were part of an intermission at a mixed martial arts event in Roseville. It's a local one. It's just like total underground thing. This is like early on. You know, UFC had just basically come out. There's Pancrase over in Japan. And, was it a uh, Lion's Den show? What's that? Was it a Lion's Den show? Was it a Lion's Den show? It was. Uh, no. Ken had already moved down to San Diego, and I'm not sure if he was. In, he might have been started with WWF, and uh, Bob Shamrock and him had a falling out. But Bob Shamrock was there. Frank Shamrock was there. So Frank was doing his own thing at that time, and so Bob was wanting to help me out in the pro wrestling. So he was gonna, you know, if I wanted to get something together because he saw him not over, we popped it big because. At first, they were catcalling us and all that crap because it was pro wrestling, whatever. And, uh, you know, there were all a bunch of shooters there. But so I had been training jujitsu for years and amateur wrestling with college guys and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I could actually – I could go pretty well back then. So we worked it, me and the other guy. We worked, you know, wrestling. We just worked uh, jujitsu and wrestling. And then we finally threw in a spot. You know, we threw in just enough that they would – get pops out of it and finally we saved you know i just i think it was nothing major it's like a missile drop kick off the off the you know top and it was the biggest pop of the night and there were some good fights some dudes were slinging you know and there were some guys that ended up going to ufc eventually like eugene jackson tim lasik and uh matsushenko was there you know there was, you know these weren't you know it wasn't like a crappy fight these were some you know guys who were going at it so but we popped them big with the finish and uh it got over, and that's where Bob saw me, and then Bob Shamrock was trying to help me. I said, hey, you know what? I kind of want to get into this fighting deal, you know? So he had a team, and so I started up with them and, and had a fight, won my fight down in L.A., and then was getting ready, met USC, you know, the owner at the time, the booker for it and everything, and the plan was to build me up to IFCs and then up to try to get to USC, so... But in training, I ended up getting poked in the eye, and it uh, didn't detach my retina, but I got a torn retina. And so I went to my ophthalmologist and said, you're crazy for doing this stuff. And he was a former boxer, so he's like, hey, you can do what you want, but if they were my eyes, I wouldn't do it. And so I did some soul searching. I trained with goggles. that looked like a fool. I looked like freaking hamburger with these stupid goggles on, training debating on whether to do it or not. And I had surgery and just waited it out. You know, and then I ended up just getting a tear, not even training, in the other eye. And so I had to do some soul searching if I was going to even do anything physical anymore. And waited some years, and Ken was looking for a, a pro wrestling instructor. And I had to think it out and weigh it out 
I talked to my ophthalmologist, and he said, hey, if you're going to do this, I don't want you fighting because there's too many chances of getting poked, not so much the jarring we can kick or something like that, but uh, slip punches and getting thumbed in the eye. It's just too much trauma. But you could do pro wrestling, but I want to go in and laser all your weak spots in your eye because I'm extremely nearsighted. I'm blind as a bat without my contacts on. So my, rather than having my eyes round, my eyeball's more oval, so it puts a lot of stress. There's thin spots. So he shored all those up, and I waited it out and healed up and then went down and worked for Ken as his head pro wrestling instructor and got to, you know, work with the fighters, too. It was, it was awesome. I was, I was also the den mother of the house, too, so I had, like, 14 fighters in the house and I had to make sure they were eating right, not partying, all that stuff. So it was a killer experience. And through that, I met uh, Bassman and started doing some UPW stuff, which led to doing Hustle and Zero One and some WWE shots and stuff. So it was good. So it was kind of a succession of events. But it was like a 10-year span that there was really nothing going on. You know, until like 01 is when I really started kind of getting out there. So you you met up with Bassman. Uh, you started doing the UPW thing. Um, at that time, the Ballards were working for UPW. Um, do you have any Shane and Shannon Ballard stories? I don't have a ton. Like, a ton of, you know, the most I actually hung out with uh, Shane and Shannon. Shannon, when we went to dinner, and I got to see you, you know, consume. I don't, I don't remember seeing you eat much food. You, you were on a liquid diet, if I remember correctly. But you know, I understand. You, you saw how much, you know, weight I'd lost, and then you were trying to do the same. I understand. It's fine. You know. But the liquid diet's not the way to do it. You, know, you throw them down something, you know. <laughs> well, I knew I was in for a rough night, but, but brother, you know, They're so. so funny. They cracked me up. You know, I, Shane, uh, Shane was just, he was throwing out freaking, I don't know, for whatever reason, he was spitting out math equations at me and making it so even a guy like old school could understand it. I think he was trying to illustrate the value of text messaging and my spacing through mathematics. It was the strength, most bizarre thing. And funny as hell, and I told anybody else would have gotten the joke, but I was getting it, and I was totally running with it with them. But they're they're a couple of funny cats, man. They're good dudes, and they're awesome workers. Yes. Yes. And then some. And, oh, you yeah. know, they're banged up. They're getting old, but they could still do their thing at a high level. Um, oh, yeah, they, they bring it, man. They, they don't, you know, they're no spring chickens either, you know, us three are kind of getting on the old side, and I just think they might even be older than me. I'm not sure of that, but, you know, I think, Shana, I think Shannon was uh, called the young whippersnapper or something at the at that BT, BT, uh, BTW show. But uh, they're still in shape, man. They didn't have those kind of – I mean, they look better now than they did when they were, you know, in their 20s. I mean, they well, might be banged I, I up, but ask you, they're in shape. I, I have to ask you, you've seen both incarnations. Um do you prefer the hockey gimmick or what they're doing now? I like what they're doing now. Yeah, without okay. a doubt. I, you know, and, and that's, you know, me coming full circle. You know, I'm definitely of the old school. You know, me doing the Border Patrol thing is kind of me out of character, having that type of a gimmick. And when I was down with uh, UPW, I was, you know, Rick wanted me doing the West Coast Cartel thing, kind of an offshoot of the Hardcore Inc. thing. And at first, you know, I wasn't really too hip because I didn't feel it was really me. But, you know, in the end, I ended up having fun with it and kind of inject myself into that kind of character that's not necessarily me. 
You know, it's the same thing with the border patrol thing. When I first had it, you know, I'll do whatever, you know, the promoters want, whatever they're happy with, but, you know, I don't feel it's really me. But then I inject myself into it, and I'm having a hell of a lot of fun with it. So, especially with the NWA tapings, you know, because we get to do the promos and all that stuff. And I really enjoy doing promos, and my promos are getting stronger. So, it's good practice for me. But I'm definitely of the old school, you know, trunks and, you know, and they've got more of the Canadian thing and, they're, they're in such good shape to cover themselves up with hockey jerseys. would be crazy, you know. Yeah, you know, I just uh, – last week, uh, <clears throat> a dear friend of mine, Kurt Brown from the L.A. area, he, he sent me up some, some TVs from the IWF in 98 and mm-hmm. that he worked, and it's got the Ballards in a tag match. And it, it, they would come to the ring, and they would grab each other, and they would hockey fight. Hey. At the jerseys, hockey fight. Then they'd turn around and go off on their opponents. Then later on in the middle of the match, they'd do it again. And that's right. – it's just wacky. It's just different. And that's all I'm going to say. I can't say anything else. Well, you but, know, um, that might have been – I know that – was that – were they with UPW at the time? 98, I think this was right when UPW was starting. Yeah, and, and that was kind of the uh, – the slant. I know that that they they wanted like kind of funny, funny stuff, something that was mm-hmm. like that, and that that's what they were looking for a lot of times. So I don't know if they came up with it or it was a combination of the two. But you know, they probably just were trying to be you know different and stand out, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you mentioned big time wrestling, um, BTWrestling.com, March sixth and seventh. Uh, the 6th is in Newark, and where is the 7th? I don't remember where that one is. You know what? I forgot where the 7th because I'm not working that one. Okay. It might but, be Gilroy, if I remember right. You know what? I, I think, I it might, be think you might be right. I think you might be right on that. Because on the 7th, I got, a, I got an APW, so I wasn't able to make that one. Okay. So um, who does Kirk White have you booked against in March? I don't know if it's super secret and I can talk about it. But I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I believe it is, though. Yeah, it, it's just Shannon. Because, we, see, we were supposed to have – it was supposed to go back exactly. to back. And then what happened was I was in Missouri at the Harley Race Camp. Ah. I wasn't able to make that one because I was in Missouri. Okay. And then I was – I thought I was booked for that one, but then there's something happened, and I wasn't booked for it. So then it kind of got pushed again. And then it was another show, and then finally – uh, Kirk and I ended up talking, and, and we figured it out, and got the time down, and all that stuff. But it was no big yeah, deal. After, no hard feelings with me. You know, I had a Friday off, so it was it was kind of nice. But uh, I had a lot of fun there. I'd never worked it for BTW or worked for Kirk, and I'd heard good things about him. And so it was cool to go over there and you know meet a bunch of guys who I'd I'd heard about but never met all these years. So now with the uh, that match that you had. Uh, last year with with Shannon, you guys, it was a double countout, and right after the double countout, after the finish, I told my buddies, I'm there, I'm there for the next show, and I saw you weren't booked, and I was like, oh fuck, damn it! Yeah, I have originally to I was, up. yeah, originally I was, and it was, I didn't realize that it was how it was going to go, but it ended up going that uh, I wouldn't be able to make it, and so we we're just going to bump it to the next one, the following, but then something happened. And it got booked up, and, you know, I had it in my book that I was booked, and then I, ended up, you know, I hadn't heard anything. So I, I think I contacted uh, Kirk or uh, 
Ryan, and they just said, oh, no, you know, this was, you know, it got booked up for whatever reason. They, they had some other guys booked. It was, you know, it was no biggie. I knew eventually, you know, we would, we would work again, so. Cool. Yeah, I'm yeah, actually looking forward to it. It'll, it'll be fun. The, the, big time, the big time crowd is completely different than I've ever seen on an independent show, and it's a throwback to San Francisco. Um, you know, Paul Paul would tell you the stories about the crowd in San Francisco. That's how the crowd was then, uh, yeah. with the exception of the rioting Samoans. There aren't any Samoans that are rioting now. Right. But other than that, um, you know, and it, there's a lot of the same faces. I see, you know, like old-timers out there in the crowds for big time, and I'm like, dude, I saw you at the Cow Palace. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Kurt came up from that, you know, and, every, mm-hmm. you know, they all saw it, and, um, tell me, how was it like to work in front of that crowd? You know, I wasn't. Now, and you know, I had never heard of what their what their crowds were like. You know, I didn't know if they were going to be like an indie riffic crowd. You know, that you know they're going to crap on every little detail. You know, they're watching every little nuance. To you know, it's like almost like being a comedian, and there's a heckler in the crowd. But you know, there's 20 hecklers in the crowd, which makes it just totally hard to to get the other people into it because they're not going to get into it. You know. Well, you can actually. There were actually, there were actually a couple of hecklers at first, but uh, you know, we Shannon and I just stayed on our focus of what it was, and you can win those guys over. It's it's not hard. You just you know, the same thing happened at Cauliflower um, with Goshiozaki. You know, they were much smarts in there, and you know, they're they want they want to try to see if they can break your uh, you know your focus, and we didn't break focus. We just stayed solid and. You know, five minutes standing ovation, and you know, just you know, the moral story is just stick with with wrestling and keeping it solid, and eventually you'll get everybody. You just got to show that hey, I'm controlling this match, and you're going to enjoy the match I choose to give you. You say boring or whatever, and then okay, I'm just going to run and hit a spot or hit some big move for no reason, you know, drop it on your head just to get the oh, you know. So wow. a couple of those guys, you know, getting back, I get sidetracked all the time, going tangent all the time. Um, you know, the, the the San Francisco, they were respectful and they were into it, you know, and that's the thing. Exactly. You know, there, were a couple, there were a couple of people, you know, those smarts, and they're going to be more discerning, and they're going to give you a little more crap, but ultimately, you know, Shan's already been there, and, you know, me being a new guy, you know, they, I had to kind of earn their respect, and I think I got their respect. And it was it was good, you know, and it was, you know, we did the heel-heel thing, you know, I was working heel all the time, so I came in, and we didn't know how that was going. It was kind of an experiment just to do something different, you know, and even the double count-out deal, uh, or not the double count, but me getting counted out was it, you know, just to do something different because you always see the same old finishes all the time. And then, you know, we'd fight. And we just, it, was, it was fun to have it, you know, and how we mapped it out and how Shannon mapped it out too, you know, because he had a lot of ideas because he's way more creative, you know, than me coming up with something different, you know. I'm I'm old, old school, you know, my stuff is not, you know, I don't come up with anything too crazy, so, you know, he, working with me, he, you know, he came with stuff that's creative, but, you know, was going to fit me, which is cool, you know, because some people, they can't work with people that fit the way they work, you know, for instance, if they're aerial, or if they're lucha, they can't work American style, you know, and they're going to want you to do all lucha, well, you know, it's going to be a train wreck, because, you know, somewhere you got to meet in the middle, you know, you know, it's like working Blue Demon at NWA. He could work America's and he could put his stuff and fuse the two together. And we had a great match with uh, 
with NWN. That's how you end up being on uh, Colors Network on Dish Network. Anybody who's got Dish, uh, Dish Network, you know, make sure you catch it because it was Colors it was a good TV. call on that. Colors TV dot net. If I, I think the, right. it's the Colors Network. I don't know what the channels, but it's it's on Dish Network. So if someone's got you know if you, any of the listeners uh, listeners got Dish, um, catch it. You know, program your DVR, whatever. I don't know. I don't have Dish, so I forget the. Uh, you get streams. It streams on the Colors TV website as well. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. You, you sure so. more than know than me. I, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm old school. I've got like, I'm I'm sad that you know soon we're not going to have rabbit ears anymore. It's like it's devastating to me. <laughs> I mean, hell, I wouldn't even be commuting. We'd be doing this on Morse code if I had my way. We'd be doing Morse code <laughs> or pigeons or something like that. Pigeons. <laughs> Pigeons, I think, would be better. But <laughs> did I answer your question about the San Francisco deal with uh, with BTW up, or did I get totally sidetracked? No, no, you're good. You're good, brother. You're good. Uh, just oh, just to tell you, uh, you and Shannon did have the match of the night for that show. Oh, I appreciate. It. We and felt good. I mean, we felt really good about it. I was stoked about it because you know those things can go one way or the other. You know, you could have two guys who could go out there and and have great matches, but then when you get together, for whatever reason, the chemistry's not there, or you just don't, you don't know each other, you know, I mean, you, you gotta, I mean, think, you know, to see, like, the work, like, you know, my favorite stuff to watch now is, is, is the, you know, I got the 24-7 deal, and watching all that stuff from, like, 85, you've got main event guys, you know, Vince's whole roster were main event guys somewhere from beginning to end, pretty much. And you're watching, you're watching like Tito Santana, Greg Valentine. Well, shit, they were working every night for a year and a half. You know, you kind of forget. You know, you forget that. So when you know, if I have a bad match or I'm not happy with it, and it didn't click right, and you just felt a little bit off on the timing. You know, the stuff I'm watching all the time. I'm watching dudes that are, you know, studying guys that are married. You know, they don't even have to talk or anything. You just move a certain way, and you know what the spot is. You know. Yeah. So exactly. you know, it, it's one of those things where you get kind of nervous work with somebody new. And with Shannon, it was like, oh, God, that walk was fun. In the park. Yeah, it was walk fun. In the park. You know? I mean, I knew it was going to be a night. I'm like, yeah, you work with Shannon. I'm like, well, hell, I got a night off tonight, don't I? But, you there know, you, you still don't know how it's going to go. And, and, be, and especially when working with a, a, an audience that don't know you. It's easy to get, you know, Jared and uh, heel too, so you know, I'm going to get the freaking Gilbert chance and all that crap, you know. Oh, so want to be Stone Cold, want to be Kurt Angle, you know, whatever bald guy, you know. You know, I get it. <laughs> At least you wouldn't have been called the wannabe John Anderson. No, no, no. Is that guy a physical specimen or what? It's retarded. It's absolutely stupid and uh, ridiculous. And I tell him that every time. You got to see MPT deal with him, you know. I mean, if you've ever spent, if you spend an inordinate amount of time with MPT and, and listen to the thoughts that roll out of his head. Next have week you ever, on the show, ever, brother. What's that? Next week on the show, I'm going to try to have MPT on. So. Oh my God! Yeah, you got to have Zach is is hilarious. So yeah, he, when he like we were in Portugal uh, doing a tour with the Mysterios, uh, and. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, no, I wasn't with Mysterio. Was it Mysterio that time? No, the year before, it wasn't even us. This was the first tour of Portugal. And, oh, my God, that Zach's favorite thing was to do John Anderson Theater. And John comes into APW, and the guys, and a lot of guys are doughy and don't have bodies. So John comes in, and they're like, well, what do you do? And so he, they, he put everybody on the John Anderson diet. 
and there was like six weeks where they could only eat like a golf ball size, you know, thing of rice, and it was like tuna and chicken the whole time, you know, and that was it, and a little vegetable at certain times. And so Dana Lee was uh, on the John Anderson program, and so Zach the whole time is doing John Anderson. He's t- he acts like John Anderson all the time. Terry, that's uh, John's wife, Terry, get me my low-carb tortilla and beef stroganoff. And he keeps acting like John. He's doing, like, curls, like he's curling 200-pound dumbbells all this. Well, it's the last night. We're at this youth hostel somewhere in Portugal, and it's uh, Kafu's birthday. And so we got a bunch of beers, and we're just hanging out, telling stories and stuff. And Dana's had a bunch of beers, right? And there's, we got a crap load of beers in front of us. I mean, there's, like, 30 beers, you know. And so I'm all, NPT, I need some John Anderson Theater. So he goes around the corner, and it's like three in the morning. So he, he gets into John Anderson character. He's flared out his lats. He's doing the curls, and uh, he walks out like he's just been woken up. Who's making all the noise? Dana Lee. I can't believe you deviated from the program. You're drinking beers. That's the equivalent of carbohydrates. That's sugar. We're starting the program all over. Terry, get over here and take the cucumbers off my eyes. This is ridiculous. And he started making, you know, Dana do push-ups and sit-ups and all that stuff. But it was all, I mean, Zach was just such a fool the whole time. He's, I mean, he's one of the funniest guys. I mean, he shouldn't be doing wrestling. He should be doing stand-up. You know, I, I pride myself on a pretty humor, at being a pretty humorous guy. But Zach takes my soul. And, I mean, he could go on stage anywhere, you know, and not have a routine and do a 20-minute set. Never done it before. But he doesn't listen to me. He still, he still wants to do this wrestling stuff. <laughs> now, yeah, but John, get back to John is a freak. John is, is an absolute physical specimen. It's, like, ridiculous. Like, it was, I, was, I went down for a, a pro camp. Because we'll do a pro camp on the gym war shows and so the new guys can work in with the pros and the semi-pros and all that. So, John, I'd never met him before. All of a sudden, I see this absolutely yoke guy who makes, you know, Scott Steiner look, you know, like a walk in the park. And I'm like, oh, my God, who is this guy, you know? And so we're going to get in there and lock up, you know, because he's just learned the Walter Addison. And, oh, my God, he locked – we locked up, and he nearly twisted me side. So I'm like, brother, no, 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 man. Loosen up. Don't tighten up. Don't – Please, I beg you, do not tense your muscles up at all, man. You're going to break me. And I'm a pretty strong dude. But I, and, and I was bulked up at that time. I wasn't, I wasn't thin old school. I was, you know, probably about 240 myself, you know. But no, I couldn't compare to a guy who's like 300 pounds and shredded. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never seen John before until Gabe's past show. And I was, uh-huh. I was like, dude, my God. What is this guy doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got, you know, a, a major league, you know, look and just. Oh, he's ridiculous, you know. And it, 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 he was just looking for, he wanted to do something different because, uh, you know, he was getting done with the strong man. You got only got a certain uh, shelf life doing uh, the metrics, the strong, the I, I think it's ISSA or something like that, strong man events. So he wanted to do something because he has a lot of sponsorship. So. He's looking for something else to keep himself in the you know, public eye, so he's just getting into wrestling. And he's working over there for Inoki now. So he's doing that IGF-1, I think, as it's called. Yeah, IGF, yeah. Yeah, so he's going over there. So, and they're using he, uh I know he wrestled Josh Barnett over there, so you know, they, they were, he's doing some main events. So good for him. You know, he works hard. He's, you know, he works hard, and he's a focused athlete. And he's a great student. He 
he absorbs it. He really tries it. I mean, he was not a wrestling fan. I mean, he knew about wrestling, like everybody on Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold, whatever, but not a wrestling fan. And he went in there and studied and busted his butt and made, you know, I mean, he's still, you know, green and, you know, new to it. But for a guy doing it, he knows what he should or shouldn't do, you know. You mentioned you had a, you had a match with Blue Demon at the NWA TV tapings. Um, mm-hmm. Next month, you have a rematch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to that. Or no, I, I you know what, I take that back. It's this month. Excuse me, it is February. Yeah, it's at the end of the month. In uh, yeah. King, King City for Gabriel Pro Wrestling Company. Revolution. Yeah, Pro, Pro Wrestling Revolution. Well, NWA Pro Wrestling Revolution. Right. Yeah, I'll be going on in King City, and that should be, you know, those, you know, Gabe has really got it down, you know, with that Mitch Market and what he's doing and how focused he is on it. You know, he's always drawing really well. He's drawing some impressive numbers. And, you know, it's, Rare when it's not a sellout, you know, which is cool. And the crowds are hot; they're absolutely oh, yeah. hot. You know, it's it's not a it's not a smart crowd. You know, it's it's an old school, you know, wrestling crowd, and you know, they cheer and boo just like how you expect them to. You know what I mean? So it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. When uh, when I had Gabe on before his last show, uh, he announced the match, and. Uh, I was like, oh, that's it, road trip, no doubt. Oh yeah, um, it'll be worth it. You know, we had a we had a a, a really good match uh, for the NWA. It was it was you know the old TV and under that TV format, which is is awesome because I mean it's the old you know Georgia Wrestling Studio TBS mm-hmm. deal. You know, it, it 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 is it's sweet. You know, anybody who checks it, it's definitely a blast. With that, they're doing a great job at you know resurrecting that. That's that format of of wrestling show, and okay. like you said, and the match that the match, it was it was easy, man. He's he's just easy to work with. So now you you mentioned Adam Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been in the ring with Adam? Um, you know what? For the, that's a strange. It's another thing where uh, it was kind of like the modest thing. You know, Adam and I knew each other for years because of, of UPW, you know, and some, you know, those days I was going down to UPW on Saturdays and I was teaching. We were over in Zero One and Rick and I were talking and, you know, the group that went over there were clicking so well just in the camaraderie and everybody getting along. Um, and he knew that, you know, I'd been a, a trainer for four years at Pro-Am with Paul DeMarco and then a year with Ken Shamrock. Yeah, he's all, gosh, you know, I wish you could come out there. And, and he heard good things about the class. I, I'd just done a class because they needed a fill-in, so I think Frankie couldn't make it or something. So I filled in, and it went really well. And so he would do some of the class, and I'd do some of it. And sometimes we'd end up, there would be a scheduling thing, and we'd both be there. So, you know, we we knew each other and crossed paths, but we'd never worked together. And mm-hmm. in all these years, you know. And finally, we got to tag up with the NWA pro tapings because, you know, that was the angle that, you know, Blue Demon won the title and all that, and Adam, he's going to get somebody to get him back, so they brought in the Border Patrol so to avenge the loss and put uh, Blue Demon out. <clears throat> so then we did a tag match with me and uh, Adam against Brian Danielson and Brett Albright, two, you know, three guys that never worked for it. And it was, I can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah. It was, Four of my favorites. Was, I can't yeah. wait for that one. 
Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good. So I've got it's cool because I've gotten to work a lot of people that you know I've heard about for years and have respect for and have seen their work, but have never worked them, and I'm getting to. So it's really it's cool for me. And you know you never and you never stop learning. You know I've been doing this stuff. You know shoot, I started learning in '89, and you never stop learning. You know because everybody's super. So to get with these guys, I have so much experience. You know I are the same mindset and the same passion for the business. It's killer, and it does nothing but help everybody grow, you know. Indie wrestling is really exciting because I think the quality of indie wrestling has really come up. Oh, yeah. Especially Big up here in Northern California. Especially in Northern, in Northern California. California it's okay. it just, I think now, you know, the, the study, there's, there's more and more and more psychology to it and a polished look to it. You'd see some killer matches and some killer stuff, but, you know, there was that transition where, you know, once kayfabe was – down and you know, you had Russell, it became a think tank on different stuff to do, you know, and there was stuff for stuff's sake alone and moves and creative, you know, it's just really a, a think tank of creative moves. How can I do this more and more and more and more? And psychology kind of was going by the wayside, you know, and you're seeing more and more psychology and, and things settling down a bit, yet still with all that creativity to it. And it's kind of fusing in the two because all these guys that we're younger now or older can't really do all the same stuff. It becomes dangerous, you know. Your body just can only take so much. And you start getting smarter about what you're doing. And everybody is just getting so much better, so, you know, from top to bottom. So I think we're in an exciting time, and I think there's going to be some exciting times for indie wrestling that it's going to get bigger. And, you know, I was at a at cauliflower a couple of years ago, and I was supposed to be talking about nutrition. And, you know, as you could tell me talking now, I start blabbing and, you know, get totally derailed. Well, I got all fired up that it's, you know, we need to take responsibility. You know, we bitch about the payoffs and this and that. And there's no house and whatever, you know, this and that. We're blaming the promoter. Well, what does the promoter have when, you know, the guys wrestling in the ring look like the guys sitting in the audience, you know? And if everybody was more focused on their appearance, not just buying nice gear and having nice boots, because a lot of guys have nice gear, but get the body so that way there's something to, more promotable for the promoter to work with, the talent, you know what I mean? That, you know, people say, well, these guys are major league. These guys look like they could be on TV. And the word gets out, you know, I got, I, I got on the tangent. I got so fired up and so passionate about it that I resurrected that the territories were going to rebuild, and which is going to be a better feeder program for TNA and WWE and everybody, the whole business is going to explode. Well, I get on this tangent. I'm so fired up and passionate. I, I hit some 25-minute promo, and Pat Patterson was the next in line to speak after me, and he was going crazy. And he was like, bravo, bravo. That was, you know, and then, you know, through that, I got, you know, the card to him, and Laronitis called me, so, you know, then, you know, we got to start exchanging. So it was a huge networking. So anybody who's listening who's an indie worker, um, Cauliflower's coming up in, I believe, April. And it behooves you to go out there because all the old timers there, and they're all still talking to people, and it's great networking and great stories, and it's a great place to learn. I think they're, if I heard correctly, there's going to be a show. So awesome! It's just, well, we are we are running short on time, Ollie. It was definitely my pleasure to have you on. We have to have you on again soon. We just scratched no the problem. surface. Um, before before I let you go, um, we have a mutual friend. Uh, Bay Area ring announcer and manager Marcus Mack. Um, uh-huh. What's up, Marty? I know he's listening. Um, 
do you have a goofy Marcus Max story? <laughs> I never you, – I, you know, in terms of goofy stories, I'm, I'm at a, a, a dearth. I don't have any goofy stories. Mark, everybody keeps it together around me for whatever reason. They know I can jack my jaw like forever. If you give me the chance, I'll talk five hours. So I think people are pretty wise not to let me see. Um, but, no, I just uh, – I don't have anything. But I just – I love Marcus Max. He cracks me up. He just cracks me Because, you know, how he, you know, his gimmick is him. Marcus Mack is Marcus Mack. Whatever his real last name is, yeah, no, he's Marcus Mack, you know. He's got, he's wearing the gold. He's got the dollars. He's got the freaking hat on and, a, you know, a total, you know, regular white guy suit. You know, he, he's, he's mm-hmm. like hip-hop and tragically white all at the same time. I love the guy. He's the best. But I don't yeah, have anything funny I, I saw him. He was in a similar state as uh, as you were at the Applebee's a few mm-hmm. uh, a few months back, and yeah, he was he was getting emotional. I thought he might have started crying. You know, he was you know he started hugging me after the uh, Fox City show last time, which was a different side of uh, Marcus Mack I hadn't seen. I hope I'm not incriminating, but I, I don't I don't have anything. I, I got out of there. His wife. Yeah, no, he, oh, everything, no, there was, it was totally, I mean, he's the next door. He just had a few spirits in him, and he, I thought he was just going to get emotional with me and give me a, a big, huge hug and then maybe punch me and then just start hugging me again afterwards. <laughs> I, I've known Marcus for going on 12 years. Um, we were both fans. We were both fans in nine, 1997 at, at the APW Gym War Show, the Summer of Love. I know you've heard you know, all the stories. The, the first time I met him, actually, we were talking that when he was going to hug me and cry was, uh, and I think that's what was so emotional. He realized it the other day. Um, I was coming back from my hustle tour, and you know, me and Ricky Reyes were teamed up, and we were Monster Social 001 and 002, and it, hustle is the most weird booking, goofy stuff. It was so much fun. We had a great time, and we hard, we got paid well, and we only had to wrestle a total of four minutes for the whole tour. But uh, I was, you know, my mom came and picked me up from the airport, and so I was telling her all about it. And Marcus Mack happened to be coming back from a WWE show and had a, 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 a chair that he had, had gotten that was, I don't got whacked, and somebody got whacked with it or something. And we ended up talking because he knew Mike and, you know, the Iron Guys and all that stuff. So we, we met and then parted ways, and it was several years later that we ended up putting two, to, two together, like just last week or a couple weeks ago. And, uh, Realized that we had met many, many years before. I think we met in like '04. Didn't even realize it. Well, there it is. Well, there um, it is. You see, the date you have coming up, you have big time in March. You have uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution, a couple shots in February, and you have APW Gym Wars coming up as well in February. Um, uh, APW Wars. I, I don't know. No, I think that's March seventh is the next show for APW, and then uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then uh, we're going. Uh, myself and Derek Sanders are going over to uh, Bolivia to uh, wrestle the uh, Mysterios uh, for for a tour, and then I, I don't know what else we got. And I think we got another Revolution in there in March. Naples Cauliflower, and I know there's some dates that I should have brought a planner in with me to plug this stuff, and I didn't. <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll we'll we'll. Well, no, what uh, happened we'll before? That. And my and I, I locked my keys in my truck, and I had to wait. I had the wor- world's worst AAA guy. He came out, and I had to end up uh, slim jimming my own truck to get out of it. 
to get here. I, I was like late. I was nervous. Thank God uh, Shimo was talking because I, I would have been spending totally tardy. <laughs> it's all good. How could uh, fans and promoters get a hold of you? Uh, probably the best way. And, you know, I'm so lame because I'm, I'm truly old school. Um, it's either my MySpace or my, my Facebook or the pages. But if you type in uh, for MySpace, if you look up uh, old school Oliver John, I don't know all the slashes and the dot, dot, dots and all that, you can get on my MySpace. Actually, go www.oliver-john.com, and it'll uh, click, me right, click you right over to my MySpace. And if you look me up on Facebook, uh, just search for Oliver John, and I'll pop up. Awesome. Well, Ollie, it's been a quick 50-plus minutes. Uh, we almost went well, an hour, brother. Like talk 20 minutes or something like that. I was just supposed to hit and run. <laughs> well, I, I planned on getting, you know, ending the show a little early, but, you know, once you get going, brother... I can't. But you I can't blew help me it. up. I'm a, I'm a jabberjaw man. <laughs> There's can't nothing wrong it. with that. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll have to have you on in uh, the very near future. Um, I probably won't see you until uh, March. That hurts my well, heart. Actually, you know what? No, I am going to see you in February in King Even City. Better. Even That's better. Right. We're gonna go That's break right. some bread afterwards. You know that, right? Of course, of course. You know, Please, uh, for, I, for I, God's sake, in, in between sips, throw down a frickin' wing. Maybe a French <laughs> fry to poke it up. <laughs> Sorry, brother. I, I shouldn't be drinking as much, uh, you know, because I'm not doing any interviews that night after. So. Nah, but, it, it's better. Trust me, it's better. Reality is overrated. <laughs> I have to agree. But, Oliver, once again, thanks for coming on, brother. It was a... Uh, it was definitely a wacky, wacky discussion. We'll have to have you on again very, very soon. Um, Sounds good, Casey. Awesome, brother. Thanks for coming on again, man. I, I right. really appreciate your time. No problem. Good night. All right. Good night. Bye. That was old school Oliver John, NWA, and Northern California international uh, independent pro wrestler. Um, I don't like ranking people. But I will have to say that uh, he's definitely in the top ten in, Cal- in workers for California, at least. Um, I'm not going to give you number ones through ten. Um, but, you know, Ollie's really good. Um, let's uh, finish up here. Let's plug the sponsors, WrestleWarehouse.com and SlamBamJam.com, as well as FogCityWrestling.com. Check out Fog City. Uh, they're coming up with a show in February. Also, uh, I am uh, the newest member of the AngryMarks.com podcast family, so you can uh, check out the other podcasts at um, AngryMarks.com. You can also go there for all your news, MMA, pro wrestling news, or whatever. Um, Good stuff there. Um, That should do it, guys. I'm I'm burnt out. But actually, you you need to go to the SoCalProWrestling.com website, and click on the videos, and there's a video from January 28th, uh, last Wednesday, with uh, Leah Neo, or against SoCal Crazy, or Side Aerial, whichever you want to call them. Um, it was a really good match. Uh, it was fun. Uh, check it out. Uh, yeah, once again, SoCalProWrestling.com. Uh, if you're anywhere near San Diego, uh, good indie wrestling there. They use Adam Pierce regularly. Uh, SoCal Crazy, or... Uh, side aerial, whichever you want to call them, uh, Ballard's, Cool Imagery, uh, 
Yeah, I just want to uh, throw a shout-out to Jeff Dino, uh, owner of uh, WrestleWarehouse.com and Silk Out Pro Wrestling. Jeff, thanks for having me last Wednesday uh, at the Lucha Show up here in Oakland. It was a blast, brother. We'll have to do it again. And uh, hopefully we can hang out in May for big time. Um, that should uh, just about wrap it up. Uh, oh, props. Props, props, props. Props got to go out to Johnny Yuma in your new T-shirt. Good luck on the sales. And also I'd like to... Uh, Send out a wholehearted congratulations to my former co-host, Mr. Alex Saint. Um, over this past weekend, Mr. Saint got engaged, so he will be married in May. Congratulations, Alex! Uh, much love to you and uh, you and your lady. And that should do it. We'll be on next week, hopefully with Mr. Primetime MP.